Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Prepare to batten down the hatches and tape up your windows as programme regular Dr Dan Waters tells me about typhoons that have struck over the past century. These days there is the occasional injury, but due to the observatory's sophisticated warning system, a death due to a typhoon is rare. But that's only recently. Dan takes me back to when he was first warned about Hong Kong's typhoons before he set sail from England to Hong Kong in 1954. Autumn 1954, that's right. I was in England waiting to come to Hong Kong because the colonial service were sending me by ship, of course, in those days to Hong Kong. And who should come round to see me in England but my future boss in Hong Kong? Why did he come round? Well, to size me up, that's one of the things. <laughs> and also, uh, he wanted to uh, give me a little bit of information. What was Hong Kong like? And he said to me, you didn't buy anything in England. There was still rationing there, a little bit of rationing, and things were in short supply. He said, you can buy anything you want in Hong Kong. Then he said to me, we have water rationing, you know. And I said, well, it won't really bother me. I was a desert rat. I fought in the Desert War. I was used to water rationing. And then he looked again and he said, we have a bad typhoon every seven years. And I said, well, uh, I've known the odd northeastern gale in England. And also there is the Bora. Mamma mia, the Bora, you know, which comes up the Adriatic and uh, the southern winds of Europe can be very fierce. So I said, well, I've never known the southern winds of Europe. I've just known the northeastern gales. And that was it. So away we came uh, to Hong Kong. Uh, that was in 1954. And uh, I was very keen, interested to see a uh, typhoon what it was like, and there was a typhoon came along in 1957, not too fierce. Then, on the 1st of September, 1962, there was Wanda. Yes, I mean, that was on a whole different level, Typhoon That's, Wanda, yes. Absolutely, that was a very bad typhoon. We were living, Vera and I were, were living then, 1962, we were living in Argyle Street, uh, Choiwa Daiha. So, so in Kowloon? That's right. And so when the typhoon struck, what kind of building were you in? We were in a brand new building, concrete framed, uh, just completed. You know, even with a concrete frame building, uh, it can sway slightly, very slightly. And I can remember this being this typhoon striking. Of course, the eye of the typhoon came over Hong Kong. And it came over, it coincided with a high tide. So that meant to say there was a great deal of flooding. Sha Tin Sea had not been reclaimed at that stage. And consequently, the tide came right the way up and flooded right the way up to the wall village, Jiang uh, Dai Ok, which is a Hakka wall village. And there were a great number of deaths on that particular occasion. I can remember uh, mopping up because the water kept coming in around the edges of windows and you could hear the glass breaking, mostly from flying objects. 
So you were in a new concrete frame building, as you described, but uh, in Kowloon and also on Hong Kong side in 1962, I mean, tens of thousands of people would have still been living in squatter huts. Oh, yes. We used to reckon uh, in those days that round about 10% of the population lived in squatter huts. With, with Typhoon Wonder in 1962, I mean, you're saying there was a great number of deaths. So do you remember a lot of ambulances out on the street and people trying to sort of get people to hospital? Well, after the typhoon, yes. That was really the last typhoon which Hong Kong learned lessons from that typhoon and it learned lessons how to batten down, in other words. In what sense? Uh, Being prepared, uh, having... uh, uh, first aid and p- things like that and the police could have been after all during a typhoon some people have to work after all they have to go out and they have to deal with emergencies following on from my chat with dan i had a look online at some of the photographs of typhoon wonder and at the huge level of devastation 130 people are known to have died with 53 missing though some estimates put the death toll higher some 72,000 people were made homeless many of whom lived in squatter huts or were out at sea at the time. That is not the worst typhoon. I would say the worst two typhoons was the hun- was 1937, was one. They didn't have names before the war. They had no names. So, but prior, to 19, so prior to the Second World War, 1939, uh, the typhoons didn't have any names? No, they didn't have any names. And then, of course, they brought in names after the war. They brought in girls' names only. <laughs> And then, of course, people complained. And so more recently, of course, typhoons have been named uh, partly on uh, girls' names still and partly on uh, boys' names, men's names. Um, yes, because I've often wondered where they get the, the ideas for some of these typhoons' names. Uh, yes, so have I. <laughs> so have I, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's one Ellen, you know, for example. But, I mean, I can remember an Ellen who was quite a charming girl. <laughs> There's one typhoon named after her. I can remember that. Did you know any girls named Wanda? Wanda, no. No, I didn't. Anyway, 1937, a very bad typhoon, and that was uh, 11,000 casualties, 11,000 deaths on that particular occasion, mostly boat people. Another thing that didn't happen before the war, of course, there were no typhoon signals. You had no warning. And so consequently, the uh, boat people were often caught out in the... They couldn't get back in time. So it was very bad indeed. Roughly 1% of the population died in the typhoon. It must have been absolutely horrific. And what what an awful clean-up job for, for people to have to carry out too. Absolutely, absolutely. That was one of the lessons learned. But I would say possibly even worse... There was the uh, 1906 typhoon. They reckoned then that that, there were 10,000 deaths, but of course the population was much smaller, and they reckoned then that 3% of the population died in the typhoon. But mostly they were uh, boat people again. There were no signals, they couldn't get back in time, and very heavy casualties indeed. But a, celeb- a celebrity who died, you possibly know, was in fact Bishop Hoare. Bishop Hoare was uh, the Anglican bishop. 
they went out to Castle Peak boating and he took out eight curates and of course the storm suddenly came up they were driven onto the rocks except for two curates who managed to escape somehow the six curates and Bishop Hoare were killed in the storm. There was a, sh- a French ship in port at that time. So in 1906? 1906, Typhoon, there was a French ship in port. And there were two petty officers who were very... They went out and they worked in the storm, tried to save people. They were very helpful. And this was appreciated. And afterwards, a monument was erected in Gascoigne Road near Dyson Girls' School. And that monument was to... Uh, uh, the French ship and the people on it who helped during the storm. But that monument has been taken down because it was a, a bit of an obstruction as far as traffic was concerned and it was t- been taken back and it's put in the Colonial Cemetery, renamed in 1972 the Hong Kong Cemetery. So we can go and see that sort of thank you memorial yes, in the Hong Kong Cemetery. Together with two other monuments. They were all taken down because of causing obstruction. And these were taken down in 1967 uh, during the year of the riot. And in 1964, it was the year of gales. During that year, there were five bad typhoons which hit Hong Kong. There were five other bad typhoons which came near enough to disrupt shipping. So ten in all? Yes. Uh, five actually hit. Five came near enough to dis- disrupt shipping. And then 41 typhoons were tracked by the Royal Observatory that so you, particular year. So you were saying prior to the Second World War, there wasn't any way of um, giving typhoon warnings at all. Um, but obviously, they're, they're, after the war, they, they then have some form of warning device. So in those early years post-war, when you, after your arrival in 1954, how do you remember that they used to issue typhoon warnings? Was it on the radio? When did you get a television, for example? Uh, no, when we came, we hadn't got a television. Yes, by 1962, when Wanda struck, we had television then. But on the other hand, before then, it was by radio. So what would happen? People would just make an announcement that you were supposed to stay inside or...? That's right. Uh, There were no rainstorm warnings then. They came much more recently. But certainly as far as typhoons were concerned, there were radio warnings. And in those days, did you have these various grades of typhoon, like we now have the T1 signal, the T3, and then up to the T8 or T10? Yes, we had the X system. The system was quite rather slightly different uh, in those days to what it is today. Uh, For example, uh, now you go straight from number three to number eight, don't you? But in those days, there was one, depending in the direction, you had five, six, seven and eight, with a four, north, south, east and west, that sort of thing. I can't remember it exactly, but it was far more complicated. It's been simplified. Uh, more recently. Do you feel that these days, I mean, um, it's interesting that, that a lot of the skyscrapers these days are designed to combat, ty- or to, to not quite combat typhoons, but are actually adapt to them. So, I mean, if you're in a, a very high building, it will sway quite uh, naturally and healthily <laughs> yeah. um, if, if, if a typhoon strikes. But uh, in the 50s and 60s, I mean, you'd have had a lot more, um, the, the buildings were a lot lower, 
Um, you, uh, would you have had, as you say, there would have been shanty towns. So was there a lot of debris flying around as well? That was the trouble. Uh, mostly with the glass that was broken. It wasn't the wind on the glass. It was, for example, corrugated iron sheets flying around, all sorts of heavy things like that. And they would bash into the glass and they would break it. But uh, certainly buildings are designed very much so with uh, typhoons in mind. And they design them like that. And it's supposed to be a good thing. You may not always detect it that concrete frame buildings do sway. Uh, but very slightly, of course. And you can't always detect it. But that's supposed to be a good thing rather than being rigid when, it, when they might uh, do, do more damage. So following on from, as you say, this, this incredible typhoon of 1937 and then Typhoon Wonder of 1962, obviously warnings have improved and uh, so people have more idea. And these days there has been, I mean, in my time, in 20 years in Hong Kong, there was uh, one poor man who drowned trying to save another. That's right. Um, and there's also been people who are injured. Within Stanley. Yes. Um, but generally, there is now an expectation that if you have a typhoon, that nobody's injured and nobody's... Uh, which right. I always find amazing. I, I find it amazing as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Typhoon Ellen, 1983, was really the last bad typhoon that we've had during Ellen. We had something like 15 dead and there were 22 ships sunk or driven ashore. So uh, the, they normally reckon that the last bad one was 1983. I know it's safer, but I can't get used to the idea of a swaying building and I'm quite happy that I live down on the second floor. My thanks to Dr Dan Waters, breezing gustily there through a few gales and typhoons with the minimum of hot air. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>